Church. Uh, we're really grateful that we can be together to worship God this morning. Uh, before we do, I uh, just have a few announcements, things going on in the life of our church. Uh, first up is, uh, is Kids Week. It starts uh, in about a week, and so uh, from June 27th to July 1st, from uh, 10 a.m. to 11.30, we're going to meet at uh, Joe's Park. So you're welcome to sign up. You can sign up with Melinda. You can email her. Uh, you can even do it online through the weekly email. Um, also, if you want, if you have people in the neighborhood that you know of or looking for even a, a, an experience like that, uh, please do invite our friends, our neighbors to that as well. Also, uh, we're going to kick off our summer cookouts in July this year. In July 13th, we're going to be at the Greco's. It's a Wednesday. Uh, it's at 6.30 p.m. Uh, we do this just about every year, and so it's a good way for us to kind of uh, spend time together as a church, as a church community, and, and enjoy some food together as well. And so, and then lastly, um, obviously I'm up here. Uh, that means that Chad is on his sabbatical for the next two months. So if uh, things come up for you, um, please do reach out to me. Um, Pastor Eric and I and even the staff are available for you uh, over the next couple months. And so just wanted you to be aware of that to remind you as well. And so well, God calls us, he calls us out of wandering, calls us out of our sin and, and darkness to come and to be his people. So let's uh, take a moment of quiet as we prepare for worship. worship is from uh, Psalm 4. If you'd stand with us, we'll sing together.
Well, as uh, God has gathered us into his presence for worship, let us take a moment to pray together. Gracious and merciful God, we come into your presence as the body of Christ, and we give thanks for your great works as our creator and as our redeemer. We give you thanks, Lord God, for drawing us to yourself and allowing us to experience and know your love, your joy, and your peace. We ask that you would support us, Lord, with your loving kindness through the Holy Spirit who has been freely given to us. And Lord, we ask that you would equip us as a church to be a church that displays your gospel to our neighbors and to those around us. Heavenly Father, we, we also acknowledge that as we gather this morning as a congregation, we're in need of your grace and of your guidance. There are those of us who are struggling with doubts and with painful seasons of our lives, Lord. Those of us who are mourning the loss of loved ones or simply just struggling to walk with you, Lord God. And for this, we just ask for your mercy and for your guidance. Revive us again, O Lord, so that we may sing praises to your name in the midst of our sorrows and in the midst of our struggles. We pray for the life and ministry of our church here at LSPC, Lord. We ask that by your grace, you would just bless the work of our hands. May you give rest and comfort through your Holy Spirit, Lord, to our leadership and provide them with wisdom and discernment to lead and shepherd your church. Lord God, may you increase our love for you and for others. And please help us, Lord, to live from a center of abiding in our union with Christ, and to always be reminded, God, that uh, while we were yet far from you, you drawed us, you drew us to yourself in Christ. And it's in his name that we pray these things, Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, at this time, the children's worship is available to be dismissed uh, to meet Kayla in the, in the back right there. We turn now to our time of confession and assurance, and this is the time for us to bring our, our sin and our need before God and to recognize our need for his compassion and for us to recognize our need to be living from a center of God's grace. This is the time for us as a church to be vulnerable with God and set our hearts before him. We'll do this together corporately uh, and also have a time of silent personal confession. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and saves the crushed in spirit.
us take a moment of silent personal confession. Lord God, we give you thanks for the mercy that you have shown us in Christ, and we pray together that by your spirit, you would empower us to show that same mercy that we have received to those around us, and it's in Christ's name that we pray, amen, amen. Well, if you would all stand with me, we will read our words of assurance together from Zephaniah 3, 16 through 17. Fear not, O Zion, let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Amen. Well, as God has greeted us and welcomed us in Christ, let us take a moment to greet uh, those around us.
The Old Testament lesson comes from 2 Samuel 15, verses 13 through 17. And the messenger came to David, saying, The hearts of the men of Israel have gone after Absalom. Then David said to all his servants who were with him at Jerusalem, Arise and let us flee, or else there will be no escape from us from Absalom. Go quickly, lest he overtake us quickly and bring down ruin on us and strike the city with the edge of the sword. And the king's servant said to the king, Behold, your servants are ready to do whatever my lord the king decides. So the king went out, and all his household after him. And the king left ten concubines to keep the house. And the king went out, and all the people after him. Uh, and they halted at the last house. The gospel lesson is from Matthew 11, verse 25 through 30. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Thanks, Carolyn, for reading our, our scripture lessons this morning. Well, while uh, Pastor Chad is away this summer, we'll be uh, spending our time in the book of Psalms. Of course, the Psalms have always been a, a rich part of the worshiping life of God's people. Right? They are a significant part of bringing us here at LSPC into worship every morning. And I have to say, one of the beautiful and the compelling reasons for us to hang out in the Psalms is because they address the entire breadth of human experience. Right, the psalmists invite us to share in their hope, in their fear, in their joy, in their anger as they come before God. And as we engage with open hearts, they are prayers and words that, that shape us into becoming the people that God intended us to be. So we'll begin our time by looking this morning at Psalm 4. Let me read our, our text this morning. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have with their grain and, and wine abound. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Well, this is God's word. This is given for our good. Let me pray for us. Father, we come to you now as, as best as we are able, with open hands and open ears, open hearts. And God, we ask that you would meet us in the places that we are, that you would show us your grace and change us by it, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, for the past several weeks, I have found myself whispering this little prayer as I lay my head on my pillow at night. Lord, please help Willa, my two-year-old daughter. Lord, please help her sleep through the night. <laughs> and I have to tell you, it's not a glitzy prayer. <laughs> it's often short. It's said half asleep and... 
with a veiled desperation. And it hints, it hints at uh, my own need, my own vulnerabilities, right? Like that, that, that disruption can come at night. And I need your help, God. And that's what it is, that in the dark of night, we hear a loud and desperate shriek from the other room, and, and it comes sudden, and it fills any sense of quiet or calm in our sleep. And of course, one of us comes into the room, and we, and we see her, and Willa, she, she looks absolutely just terrified. I mean, her eyes are, are filled with terror, her voice crackling with fear. And she has a stare, a stare of terror that's often accompanied by shouts of mommy and daddy and even something that we can't always understand. It's a hard scene to slumber into in the dead of night. But I think this moment, it, it holds something of the emotional and the psychological space that our psalm occupies. It's that space after we wake up, after we have been blissfully unaware of everything that has been happening in our life for a few hours. And, and then we wake up and, and two seconds later, everything rushes in. We remember who we are, we remember where we are, and, and our minds, are, are, they fill up with whatever trouble we're facing. They fill up with whatever struggle we find ourselves to be in the midst of. And I'm guessing, I'm just guessing that some of us here have felt that when we tried to close our eyes at night, when we woke up even this morning. And there are probably others of us here who have been feeling that, that, that for many evenings for a long time. And it makes the night, when it is quiet and still, when all we have to think and to feel are, are the things that flood our bodies with worry and, and stress and fear. It makes the night quite scary. And my guess is that every one of us have felt that evening rush, that evening rush of fear and anxiety at some point in our lives, even in varying degrees of intensity. And that's one of the reasons, it's one of the reasons that we have the Psalms. We have the Psalms to mirror our emotions, to mirror our situations in life, and to give us a map for how to deal with those things as people of faith. So Psalm 4 is a Psalm for people like you and me. Well, Psalm 4, it starts off with that desperate plea, that arousing cry, perhaps even when you hear those words, Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. And maybe you can feel and you can grab hold of the emotions around those words. Maybe they even feel young to you. And the psalm is known as an evening psalm, and it often is connected to Psalm 3. And the two are often connected because of the time of the day that each psalm sort of invites us into. And it's a psalm of David. And because and because of its apparent connections with Psalm 3 and the way that David expresses his experience, that of his, his honor and his shame of being surrounded with lies, because of these things, many scholars, they connect this psalm to that period of time when he is on the run and he is fleeing for his life. He's not fleeing from a foreign king He's not running from a foreign army. He is fleeing from his own flesh and blood. He's escaping from his son Absalom. And Absalom, for his part, had mounted a, a conspiracy to, to turn the hearts of the people of Israel away from his father. It has been quite successful. And now it has culminated, it culminated in this coup attempt which also is appearing to be very successful and, and leads David fleeing for his life from Jerusalem with a few loyal friends. I mean, he barely escapes with his life. He, he stops, even stops at the Mount of Olives just briefly to, to, to weep openly about the situation, to mourn with those who are with him. And then he leaves there and he makes his way out into the wilderness to hide. And that's that's where he is, right? He's out in the wilderness. 
where his son has stolen his throne and he, he is on the run. And it's not too difficult to imagine the pain and the sadness, the fear, the, the confusion that David is feeling, right? Like you can read all about that. We heard that this morning even as Carolyn read in, song, in 2 Samuel. And in 2 Samuel, this is what the historian says about this moment. He says the, the conspiracy grew strong and the people with Absalom kept increasing. So it's no wonder why David is keenly aware that lying down and getting some sleep is not so easy when you are in the midst of life-altering distress. But the threat, the threat is not just a military threat. I mean, David knew all this was happening in part because his deep failures as a king and his deep failures as a father. I mean, we know David's track record, especially the dark side of it, right? The, that he had committed adultery. And the plot that led to cover up that adultery, it led to the death of many innocent, loyal people. And after that episode, the, the prophet Nathan told David that the sword was never going to depart from his house. And Nathan, he, he said to David, there will always be violence. There's always gonna be violence in your house. And so David knows that Absalom was the way that he was, in part because David was the man that he was. And so there he is, out in the wilderness, fleeing from a violence that was partly his fault. In 2 Samuel, it says that as David was fleeing, one of the royal descendants came out, and his name was uh, Shimei, and he came out to, to curse David. He saw David running, and he says to David, get out, get out, you man of blood, you worthless man. See, your evil is on you, for you are a man of blood. The Lord has avenged on you all of the blood of the house of Saul. And David heard that cursing, and he knew that there was something to it. And perhaps this is what he hears when those curses flood his ears. He hears, you know, God, God won't save you, David. God can't save you. You deserve this. I mean, those curses were directed at the, the deepest part of who David was and all of David's skill, all of his cunning, all of his smarts, all of his talent, all of his natural leadership ability, all of the stuff that he usually relied on had failed him. And his life was completely unraveling and he was falling apart. So it's worth asking just for a moment, for a minute, what would you and I do in that situation. I mean, I don't know what rushes into your head. I know none of us have ever been royals on the run from our own flesh and blood. I know that. But just because that's not who we are doesn't mean we don't have our own list of things that rush into our head that keep us up at night. I mean, when our health and the health of someone we love is failing, we're suspect. when our job prospects look bad, or when there is someone at our job that for whatever reason that we can't sort out is, is against us and, and wants us to fail. When someone that we love turns on us or when that someone that we love, it keeps treating us in a harmful manner and when, when we ask them not to, they do it anyway. Or when we look around at our life, and we wonder why we are still alone or when we fear for the future of our kids, or when we fear for the future of our aging parents, or when we just can't seem to make the pieces of our lives come together, no matter how smart or thoughtful, talented we are. What do we do then? Well, here's what the psalm writer does. He takes his gaze off of those troubles for a moment. He turns away from all the stuff for a moment and he retreats into memory. And he doesn't do this as a, an escape. He doesn't do this to, to distract himself. Memory is an essential discipline in the life of faith. 
right? It, it brings us freedom. It even lets us breathe. It, it weakens fear and it weakens anxiety in our lives. I mean, this is exactly what the psalm writer does in verse 1 when he says, You have given me relief when I was in distress. You see, David is, he's remembering, he is remembering when God had shown him gracious relief in the past. He is remembering when God has done amazing things for him. And friends, this is what, what I want us to hear, that, that memory, it makes up a large part of prayers that we see in the Psalms. Right? It makes up a large part of our gathered life together. I mean, do you ever wonder why our worship it looks the way that it does. Why do we do the same things every week and week in and week out? And do you ever wonder why we often use the same words and we pray the same prayers when we do those same things over and over again? Why are we always talking about and singing about and praying about God's love for us in Jesus? Why are we doing that? It's not because we can't think of other things to fill up our time. <laughs> I'm sure we could figure out all kinds of interesting things and, and to, to, to say, to stuff to do, to fill up our time. But, but one of the reasons we do these things every Sunday is simply so that you and I will remember. We're constantly rehearsing and what, what God has done for us when we worship. We are human and we forget all kinds of stuff all of the time. So we worship in part to remember what God has done for us. Memory is, is critical. It's, it's important to our growth, our maturity as God's people. And we need each other to do it. Because when, we, when people like us remember what is true about God, when we remember what is true about what God has done for us, when we remember what is true about who we are and who we are as God's children, when we remember those things, it brings us life, and it allows us to breathe, and it weakens our fear, and it, it weakens our anxiety. And friends, the life that emerges from our memories, from holding the true and present realities of who we are and who God is in our lives, it begins to create an emboldened and honest confidence of faith. Right? When the mercy of God, it comes to David, when the presence of God, it meets David, and he remembers who he is and who God is, it begins to quiet that anxious fear. It begins to straighten the back of the one who has been brought low in shame. It begins to bring into focus an honest picture of our lives, and it begins to clarify ways of living in the fog and the confusion of fearful and troubling circumstances. Look at verse 2 and 3. He says, O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. All the curses coming David's way. All of the voices of these people that are not trusting in God, who maybe in some ways who are haunting him the voices of them that are in his head that are leading him to doubt. I bet you, many of us, many of us even in this room know what that's like. We know people, people who seem to have their lives even put together and yet side with the schemes of darkness, with, with cursing. I mean, it looks real put together when people are financially secure when they are really pious and moral, when they have tons of charisma and natural ability, or even when they seem really accomplished and have great resumes. I mean, these are easy things to look to for life because it, it seems like it, it is really working for them. And yet there are times when it's late at night when we feel the vulnerability of our faith and we ask ourselves, are people like that who seem different, who seem put together, like life seems to come easy to them, we can ask ourselves, are they right and I wrong? And I think David has these really human and honest doubts, but he doesn't just let the doubts shape the narrative of his life. He speaks directly to them, and he brings honest words to them, exposing the lies for what they really are. 
How long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words? What is empty and seek after lies? You see, he draws us into a contrast that every time we move away from a life of trust and dependence of faith in God and we trade it in for something that is ultimately empty, that is a lie. Perhaps for a bit, we become really good at living with that, that the things that we put our hope into, that they, they, they can sustain us. But eventually we have to cash in those receipts to keep paying those debts and they are too big, too big for, to pay even for those of us who seem to have it all put together. And the thing that David turns to that, that speaks boldly to the lies and the shame and the deceit is the reality of prayer. And here's another maybe way of thinking about this. Does your bank account hear you when you call? Will your career come and rescue you when you are in a time of distress? Will all your pious activity be enough to push away the anxiety? David reminds his doubts of what is true. He remembers that the one who is coming to him in his distress is the Lord God, the one who has and is and will come to him time and time again, over and over when he calls to him, it is the Lord. So prayer is part, but, that, but look what David also does here in verses four and five. He intends to his internal life, his inward life. Look what he says, be angry and do not sin. Literally, the word is to tremble, the, 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 that one is activated and, and supercharged with emotion. And so David is to tremble and yet not to sin. And let me just say, I mean, it can be real easy to curse the trembling. <laughs> On the one hand, I get it, right? The, the presence of anger can quickly escalate. We can feel out of control, and even when there are really good reasons to be angry, right, to tremble, we become people who can tear down and rage. And we become part of the brokenness rather than honor the injustice, the things that are rightly wrong around us. And so when the inward explosions of emotion that honor the impact of, of injustice, of, of wrong, of cursing in this world, that may be aimed even right at you, there is wisdom. There is wisdom in pondering, pondering our own heart to hold and understand what are the overwhelming and the hard internal emotions that our hearts occupy. And David, he knows that the night can be loaded with all kinds of real big feelings. Right? And so there is something in, in being still and, and quiet that attends and ponders that can even be rest for the soul. Friends, David, he wants us to see that rather than just be overcome by big and hard emotions, we can actually engage and honor and direct them towards the one who brings peace and safety. I mean, he says... Offer right sacrifices and, and put your trust in the Lord, right? It's a sweet invitation to, to turn the energy, the loaded big emotions, to direct them towards his Father, to turn it in worship and prayer and trust. And let me ask you this. What has it been like for you to pray your big and your hard emotions to God? What's that like for you? Were you able to share with boldness, with unadorned honesty, your true feelings in that prayer? What was it like when you did that? Have you ever shared your intense and anxious moments with another and they took those real feelings to God on your behalf in your presence, what was it like 
for someone to attend and honor and bring those significant feelings to God for you. Well, if I could invite you back into my daughter's room again. (laughs) Her desperate cries echoing through our home, pleading for presence, just demanding our attention. And when I enter her room and in my better moments, when I answer her cries not with contempt or quiet scorn, but rather with concern, with attention, with communication to her that doesn't just need my words, my calm and soothing words, but that she needs my face, my loving and comforting face. She needs my embrace that would scoop her up and bring her close, that would rub her back with tenderness and compassion. And yes, even words to remind her that that she is loved, that I'm with her, that she is safe. And in those better moments when I can attend to her, attend to her the way that God has tended to us. In those better moments, I can feel those scary, those anxious, those frantic concerns leave her body and leave the room. There is a blissful calm, a quiet that honors the peace that fills up the room. Friends, this is what it's like to know the peace of God when the night rages with all its cursing, all its worry. It's what it's like when we cry out in the night, answer me when I call, O God. He meets us in the dark. He meets us holding fear. He meets us when we are overwhelmed, when our hearts and our minds are flooded with worry. He meets us in the night and the light of his face, it shines upon us. And in those moments when you and I experience the goodness, the the presence, the attention, the, the peace of God, it does something to us. It shapes our memory of him and it grows our faith and trust. And the thing is, God gets up time and time again without fail without scorn, and he comes into the room of our hearts full of worry, full of doubt, full of shame, and he scoops us up as his sons and daughters with delight so that we learn and know that he is our refuge, that he is the one that comes to us in the trouble of the night, not only to bring peace and safety, but he has turned back, he's turned back the darkness He has delivered us from the tyranny and the accusations of death to bring us the peace and rest that only he can give. And it's as David writes, in peace I will lie down and sleep for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, you know the ways that we can be restless, that we hold worry, that we hold fear, that make us question and doubt your faithful love towards us. Lord, remind us today of your attentive, your loving presence that meets us in the night. Be our refuge. Bring us your peace and rest in Christ, we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us as we respond and sing?
Almighty God, you are our salvation and our hope. You are true and your steadfast loving kindness is our refuge. You save the humble but bring low the proud. Therefore, we join with your people on earth, all the company of heaven and the unending hymn. Well, in our text today, David, he recalls that it is God who has given him relief when he has been in distress. And David remembers who God is, right, and, and what he has done. And friends, in the same way, in the same way that, that David's memory is really an important and distressing times, this table invites us to remember what God has done for us in Christ. This table reminds us that we are in desperate need of rescue, to be saved from the tyranny of death. And we remember that th this is what Jesus offers us at this, at this morning, that he offers us this morning at this meal, his very life. Jesus becomes our, our rest on the cross, all of our anxious restlessness, all of our panicky shiftiness, all of our bargains, all of our promise-making, all of it, it goes onto Jesus' shoulders. He takes them into the grave with all of our sin and idol-making where they are drained of their power forever. His life for our life. And so if you believe that, if you have in repentance and faith turned to Christ alone, then this table is for you to nourish your life come and eat and drink in faith. Father, thank you for this table. We pray that you would uh, set it apart from a common use to a sacred and holy one, that you would come to us and by your spirit meet us, give us rest, and nourish us in our faith through this bread and wine. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he broke it saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. For as often as you drink, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Well, as a church, we'll, we'll come down both the eye of the center aisles We'll receive both the, the cup and the bread. We'll go down um, back on the sides to return to our seats. And I ask that you would just hold the elements that, that, so that we can eat and drink as one family. If you're not coming to receive the elements today, but you would like a blessing, please do come forward. Come to my line, and I will uh, put your hand across your chest, and I'll offer a blessing for you. I want to invite the, the servers now to come.
Christ's body was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith. Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let us drink in faith. Well, as a way to respond to the table, let's stand together for our responsive prayer and song. Jesus, our Lord, help us to cast aside our own pursuits of exaltation. Grant by your spirit that we may live as servants of all, bearing a genuine humility that trusts in your grace as we proclaim the mystery of faith. together to affirm our faith in and through the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Well, we, uh, we continue our worship through the giving of our gifts and offering to God. But before we do, I want to just uh, remind you that uh, today after the service, we will have our normal uh, fellowship time over at McPherson, They're the playground there. We'll have some lemonade and some drinks there for you uh, to, to enjoy and some fellowship. Also, just to remind you as well is that the, the, the Kids Week is coming up. So if you would like to, to, to sign up for that, Please let Melinda know, and she can, she can help you and assist you. And that's June 27th through July 31st. Well, as we have experienced God's generosity to us in Christ, let us also um, offer our gifts and our ties to God now in our worship.
receive now God's blessing. May the love of God the Father and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace. Amen. Thank you.